1: Eight minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning into the forum at eight this morning. Now today, the seventh of April marks the twenty-first anniversary of the start of the Rwandan genocide, uh, and that, of course, is that stark reminder of uh, that horrendous incident when Hutus uh, killed about a million Tutsis over a period of a hundred days in nineteen ninety-four. And before we get into the discussion, we have a clip from the BBC, and let's listen. Listen to this BBC report uh, on the Rwandan genocide. It is a young person telling the story, and that is uh, the person's name is Lilian Obumweyi, and they are now thirty-five years old and living
2: in Britain. My name is Lilian Obumweyi. Long ago, before genocide, I remember when I was probably ten to eleven. I didn't know who is Hutu and who's Tutsi. We used to interact. We used to play together. Even if the parents and give you bad eye, but you don't take much notice because you don't know why. And then 1994, the Hutus pick up the machetes and kill the Tutsis.
3: The sixth of April 1994, the Rwandan president is killed when his plane is shot down. With confusion over who's to blame and the government in disarray, the killing of Tutsis begins.
2: I remember when they they came to my uncle's house singing a kind of very rejoiceful song that nobody should escape. Rejoicing of what they were going to do. The killing was already spread in the whole neighborhood and my parents didn't want to open the door. So as we hear them the song, they were approaching the house as I saw them with all sort of weapons and I I couldn't just bail. That kind of painful death it was so unbearable to my mind. So I just jumped through the back window. I tried to run, but the whole group was already surrounding the compound. So I I climbed the tree, which was in the backyard.
3: The 7th of April, 1994, as UN peacekeepers stand aside, Rwandan soldiers and Hutu militia hunt for Tutsis. Some people are shot, but many more are killed with clubs, sticks, and machetes. Radio broadcasts call for the extermination of Tootsie cockroaches.
2: A minute later, all I could hear from the house was, it was the, it was the noise of my parents screaming, and it was it was terrifying. But I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't even go down. Once they finish killing everybody. They they pull all the bodies outside just to double check who escaped or who who is not dead yet and in the tree of course I was I was holding the branch. I couldn't cover my ear for not to hear what was going on. Of course there were quite a of them, my family, my uncle's family. And yeah. I remember seeing all of them.
3: The 11th of April, 1994, tens of thousands of Tutsis and Hutu moderates have already been killed. UN troops under attack themselves withdraw to the airport. The civilians they had been sheltering are left to the Hutu mobs.
2: I stayed here for a long, long time. And I was thinking, oh, am I going to stay here forever? I don't know. I didn't have anywhere else to go.
1: And that was a, a BBC report and uh, the story of Lilian Umubiehi. And she's now 35 years old, living in Britain, 14 years old at the time of the genocide. I was just wondering, where were you at the time? And, and, and do you remember this at all? Given where we were as a nation, as South Africa, uh, it was about three weeks before we went to our first uh, democratic election in South Africa. Where were, were you even aware? of what was going on in Rwanda or were you just too consumed with our own, you know, political change taking place in South Africa at the time? And when did you become aware of this horrible atrocity that had happened in Rwanda did anyone watch a uh, hotel Rwanda and, and and did that give you a sense of what was taking place in Rwanda at the time and uh, did you bother to go and find out more about what led to this despicable act of humans perpetrating the most vicious heinous crimes against fellow humans. Tell me what are your thoughts on this particular matter. It's 21 years, the 21st anniversary of the start of the Rwandan genocide. That's what we are talking about today. Our lines are open 0891 104208 and uh, you can also send us your messages via Twitter or Facebook at AM Live on SAFM. Alternatively, send us an SMS to the number 34701 and we will be joined shortly by uh, Excellency Vincent Carrega, who is the Rwandan ambassador to South Africa, to talk to us about what has happened 21 years on in Rwanda. But I want to hear from you in the meantime. What are your thoughts about this? How do you feel about this today, 21 years on, and looking at Rwanda? How far have they come as a country? Let's hear from you. 0891 104208. Eddie in Edenvale, good morning.
4: Thank you sakina thanks for the opportunity you know it was really chilling to to hear that lady talk about her experiences it really curdles the blood you know it's typical of man's in inhumanity in to to mankind sometimes but what really disturbs me is that we've got the genesis of this type of atrocity here in south africa beginning I'm i'm really worried about it right throughout the day on various racial uh, radio stations i i hear the most awful xenophobia and specifically afrophobia uh you know hateful rhetoric uh, you know stereotyping every nigerian is a is, is a is a terrible drug dealer every zimbabwean is, is stealing our jobs and this is how it starts it, it started very simply in in rwanda calling people Cockroaches, people of a different tribe, different to you. And this is how to, to, is mob violence is a terrible thing. Already we're getting people killed. I saw visuals on SABC TV of young, even young babies in Isipingo having terrible wounds in the head. Uh, people being put out of their homes because of the king's stupid statement. Now, What I say is, Sakina, to to, to finish off, this xenophobia with mob violence that gets totally out of hand, spreads like wildfire. What I say is that these xenophobe people shouldn't be given a platform on public radio and in the the media. Uh, If they do, the the presenters should should condemn it totally and, and put them in their place. Otherwise we're gonna ha- we, we it's very easy to see the same type of holocaust here. Thanks, Sukina.
1: Thank you so much, Eddie. I must just uh, put out there that uh, King Goodwill's relatives, uh, people, have since refuted, you know, the uh, utterances uh, that were attributed to him. So uh, that's one that needs to be clarified. But I just want to hear from Hateng in Durban before uh, we continue with this conversation uh, about marking the 21st anniversary of the start of the Rwandan genocide. Hateng.
0: Uh, yes, Sukina. How are you? And uh, to your listeners there good program. I just want to say that I think, you know, it's uh, probably a very good You linking it with our democracy. We're on the, you know, threshold of our new uh, democracy when this was happening. Many of us didn't pay much attention at the time. As you rightly we say we're too busy and excited about our democracy. But I think the lesson we must learn, I think, from and especially as African people, is that uh, I don't want to blame anybody in particular, but I want to say that we must uh, not allow, uh, you know, these uh, outside influences to come in between us. In that clip, you saw that the, they were the Tutsu and Hutu were living peacefully, you know, all these years. It always takes an outside agency to come and, you know, bring about this hatred between one another. And that's my message I want to give. You know, we in Africa, Africa lived in harmony uh, with its Ubuntu, and it's only after colonization and after, you know, uh, Europe, It's just long before that, you know, World War One and Two. like, you know, uh, Europeans were killing Europeans on the basis of the same thing. You know, Germans were f- killing British and, and French, and, and they were fighting among themselves, and somehow there, when the colonizers came to Africa, they started showing these seeds of, uh, you know, tribalism and ethnicity, and I think... Uh, As African people, we need to come back to our roots of one humanity and and don't let these outside influences come and, you know, destroy our
5: humanity.
1: Thank you so much for that, Hateng. Let's go to um, Mananga in Cape Town. Good morning.
5: Morning, morning. Uh, Can you hear me? Clearly. Yes, uh, I'm originally from uh, from, um, Zaire, the Democratic Republic of Congo. Talking about genocide in Rwanda, that thing, that thing, actually, that story hurt everybody. Nobody is happy about that. But the matter of the fact is every single year there's a platform, platform, this platform has been used by Rwanda to talk about this genocide. But meanwhile, nobody actually talks about what the Tutsi people have done to the Hutu in that very same country and what the Tutsi people have done. To the Democratic Republic of Congo. They've it, they've killed so many people, but how come that they are the only one who always have so much, so much, time to talk about what happened, about that genocide, but nobody actually talk about what they teach themselves, including Kagame has done to the Hutu people in that very same country and the, 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 the Democratic Republic of Congo. Why?
1: Mm. Mananga, perhaps you could help us out. Uh, well, what did the Tutsi people do?
5: The, the Tutsi, the, you remember Kagame is the one who started. Actually, they are the one who killed who killed the president uh, Juvenal Abiyarimana at the time because he was he was leading the the, the the rebellion. He is the one who started the killing when they killed and they actually exterminated the the Hutu. That story is not told. Understand? It's not told. But the Hutu the, the themselves, the only revenge was the revenge to what they, the Tutsi did to the Hutu. And since then, they moved into the Democratic Republic of Congo, killing the people since '96. You see what happened in the Congo. That genocide happened in Rwanda. It's not in the, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, but since '96, How many uh, Congolese people have died as a result of what the, the, the Kagame is doing in the
1: Congo. Okay, thank you so much for raising that with us, Mananga. Let's take one last caller before we speak uh, to the Ambassador. Ann Nkhraf Reinet, good morning.
4: Good morning to you. I would just like to say I've just returned in the last few days from a visit to Kigali, and I would like to compliment your amb- the Ambassador on what has been achieved in the country since 1994. It's a beautiful country and lovely people. And the security and the cleanliness of the place is most impressive. Okay, thank you so
1: much, Anne and Graf Reynette. Well, uh, if you've just tuned in this morning, we are uh, talking about the Rwandan genocide today. April the 7th actually marks the 21st anniversary of the start of the genocide. And um, it was a horrid, horrid time. One hundred days in which almost a million people were killed. And this, as some would remind us, as the world for the most part stood by, And watched. And um, uh, just a tweet here from Angaliso Ngobo says African media failed the people of Rwanda in 1994, and we expected the BBC uh, of this world to report what was happening in Rwanda in Africa. And Kulu SD says when the Holocaust happened, the world in unison said never, never again. And sadly, the Rwanda genocide happened under the UN's watch. And with that, uh, it's time to say good morning and thank you so much for coming through to uh, Excellency Vincent Karega, who is uh, the Rwandan ambassador in South Africa. Thanks so much for coming through.
6: Thank you very much and thank you for uh, providing this platform to me and to South Africans and many other people to discuss about uh, genocide against Tutsis in Rwanda and what it did to the whole region uh, in terms of stability and so on.
1: And, of course, you know, it's a time to reflect. It's a very difficult, uh, you know, uh, story, this one, to tell. Um, And I would imagine even 21 years on, it still invokes some painful memories.
6: It uh, It is still invoking painful memories. Imagine children who were born and then their parents are immediately killed. Today they are 21, but they don't know who are their parents. Some were born out of rape because uh, uh, the perpetrators of genocide raped women. And uh, those babies are also, they've grown today, but with a history of uh, horror and uh, trauma and so on. So it is still in the memories of Rwandans, but we say remember, unite, and renew. So we remember not to revenge or not to create bad moods in the country, but to remember that uh, at a certain point of our history, things went wrong. Leadership was unable to unite people and to make them prosper, but uh, decided to divide uh, and kill people. And as one of uh, your participants in this discussion said clearly, uh, Africans and Rwandans were so united, so much together, until when they got divided by the colonial powers. But we cannot just blame the colonial powers because what happened happened after independence. So it means even our leaders after independence did not take proper responsibility or understand the issues that were affecting their societies, so as to reunite them and also work towards the interests of all uh, people of Rwanda and even the people in the region. uh, I heard the Congolese speaking. It is because in Congo we also have Hutus and Tutsis, and what happened in Rwanda has uh, seriously affected Congo because mostly Congo had the problem of leadership under Mobutu, everybody knows. Although he didn't get the fact right to understand what happened and so on, he blames everything on Rwanda. He comes into Tutsi's attacking Congo, which is not, uh, uh, not uh, true and accurate, but they have been, the genocide that occurred in Rwanda spread into DRC because those who committed it in Rwanda were open doors to run into DRC and then the war followed them uh, into DRC and uh, of course they were victims. Mm. But there have been, never been a policy or politics in the government of Paul Kagame to eliminate any ethnic group. Otherwise the two ethnic groups that are living together that are uniting in Rwanda could not have achieved the reconciliation and the development that we see in the country today.
1: Well, what our caller earlier, I think it was Mananga, was saying was that our recollection, you know, how the story is told today is very one-sided. Do you agree with that sir? There cannot
6: what? be two sides. Of what is a genocide, actually? Maybe we need to define that. Genocide is when uh, you want to eliminate a race or a tribe completely from the map, and it has to be planned. So it has been proven... It is recognized by the UN and by the whole world that since 59 in Rwanda, there have been campaigns, programs, and programs to eliminate the Tutsis. And in 94, the physical elimination occurred until stopped by the liberation movement uh, led by Paul Kagame. So it, the facts are there. In 100 days, million people were killed, not because they were fighting anybody, babies, uh, elderly, and so on, just because they were Tutsis. So that is genocide. But if under uh, circumstances of war, some armies are dead, bullets uh, kill civilians, and so on, that is never uh, taken as genocide. There are wars also in uh, other parts of Africa. We don't call them genocide until there is a political will or intention and plan to just eliminate people based on their race, religion, or uh, ethnic group. And that's what happened in Rwanda. But mm-hmm. around that, there have been wars, there has there's, there's been refugees, there have been suffering and uh, people dying of different causes, but not under a plan of genocide. That's why we commemorate one genocide, because there was one genocide targeting innocent civilians for what they, are. they were born uh, to be. Yeah.
1: Now, just going back, you know, what was the genesis of this particular conflict that ended up so terribly? How did it all start? What gave rise to what started on the 7th of
6: April, 1994? Uh, I will be brief because the history is too long. As I said, uh, for centuries, Rwandans were so united. It was a, a, a kingdom that united Hutus and Twa. And then the colonial power came. It was not easy. For, uh, as another fact, there has never been slaves trade in, uh, in Rwanda because the kings and the army of that day was very solid and protected all the people of Rwanda. So when the Belgian colonial uh, realized that uh, people were so united and organized and believed so much in their values, they had to first eliminate values using religion, using education, and then created uh, they they, they studied the people of Rwanda they said these people even though they pretend to be one they are not one Uh, they took the cattle keepers the Tutsis as a superior race and then the Hutu's uh, farmers as an inferior race race, therefore created a different set of education and they tried to colonize using the ruler the king who was Tutsi by then but using uh, colonial methods like beating people to pay tax, which did not exist in our culture, or uh, making them to do public works for free and so on. So after creating uh, animosity between the two peoples, then when the king asked for independence in the late 50s, then the Belgian um, created insurrection of the masses that uh, instead of uh, asking for independence, uh, get rid of the king. Uh, because the king is uh, more of a problem than the, 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 the colonial power. So it was like they divided to rule, they give different favors in a society that was homogeneous and uh, putting together. And that's where the the, 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 the problem started. Many Tutsis since fifty nine sixty three ran away from Rwanda and went into the region. And uh, they tried through UN, through many ways, to return back home. But the regime that took power after independence have never allowed them to come home. They even declare them that uh, they were not originating from Rwanda, that their origin, according to the Belgian books, was Abyssinia, Ethiopia, today. So the hatred, the campaigns took 30 years, and people were suffering outside Rwanda for 30 years. So they engaged in a liberation movement. While in the liberation movement, the former president of Rwanda have agreed... After negotiations and after the pressure of the liberation movement to sign peace accord, the day he signed the peace accord in Arusha, uh, Tanzania, while returning home, his own people killed him and then declared that he was killed by the liberation movement. But that was impossible and proven impossible today by the uh, French court. Because uh, he was killed in Kigali, and Kigali was still under control of French, Belgian, and the National Army. So how could uh, the liberation movement that was north uh, northwest of the country uh, could kill him without all the um, uh, machines and so on? So the debate is there, but by propagating that uh, the president is killed by these Tutsis invading the country, therefore we must kill the Tutsis. So it became a trigger, but the plan was there, because the extremists were saying, if we, sing, we sign this agreement, we must eliminate these Tutsis, and we should not let them survive like we did in 59, because few survive, now they are attacking. Therefore, this time we must eliminate them completely. We have speeches, we have facts, and uh, those are the things that have been discussed in the International Tribunal.
1: 26 minutes before 9 and this morning on the forum at 8 we are looking back or rather looking forward 21 years after the genocide in Rwanda started today on the 7th of April and then just you know looking back at what actually gave rise to that horrific event and also just talking about what now you know the world once again will stand by and say never and never again until such a heinous crime is committed all over again and we Speaking this morning to uh, Excellency Vincent Carrega, who is uh, the Rwandan ambassador to South Africa. And by the way, the lines are open and I see you are calling through 0891 104208. And we'll come to those calls in just a moment. Um, I was just uh, before the break, you know, we were talking through a brief history of actually what gave rise uh, to those atrocities of 1994. But then the question is, was there a mastermind behind all of these perpetrations? If we watch the movies, if we listen to the reports, we hear about how, um, you know, the radio stations became instrumental in actually um, distributing this message and proliferating it throughout the country. But who was the mastermind be all behind this genocide?
6: Our uh, post-independence regime, that was put into place by the colonial powers as well because they did not want uh, people who claim for independence to be the rulers. They created their own rulers who could uh, become puppets and then they institutionalized the divisionism. They were quotas in schools for Tutsis. Good schools, good faculties were not available for them. There were no ministers that are uh, Tutsis. Uh, No uh, MPs or um, uh, big positions. So discrimination was in schools. It was uh, in the uh, normal life, in society. And uh, identity cards highlighted ethnic groups so that uh, you don't get uh, this particular favor that is not for your society. So it was really quite institutionalized and it went through um, political speeches, then uh, media, media that were pro-government, that really described the Tutsis as cockroaches, as snakes, and so on, dehumanizing through time to the extent that uh, even Christians were killing fellow Christians, priests killing other priests, and nuns killing other nuns. And they said God has uh, allowed that to happen because these are not human beings, these are snakes and cockroaches and so on. So the hatred was uh, that bad, and it grew over years And that's why it uh, culminated in, uh, if I may say it, successful genocide. Because if there's no campaign and no preparation and uh, uh, no broad awareness and no political support by the government, it is impossible that uh, a section of uh, population can kill the other for 100 years without uh, being stopped. It's because there was that um, um, political move and government behind it.
1: Mm. And, and and today, uh, you know, fast forward 21 years after the genocide. What is Rwanda like today? Because, you know, you spoke about uniting as a nation. But how easy or how difficult has that process been given what has happened?
6: It is amazing because, uh, uh, as, uh, as somebody said, uh, these bad values, these hatreds were politically imported and then implemented by the nationals. So when we all realized that uh, everybody was a loser, those who were killed, their families, and those who killed and who had to run away and some being arrested, we were all losers and the nation uh, was no longer able, or it was in shambles. So the new leadership uh, agreed to craft a vision for all it's like uh, saying, we've been divided for no point. Remember, uh, many centuries ago, we were united. What can we do to reunite again? How can we reconcile after everything that happened? So we put up systems of justice, but justice for reconciliation. Justice that borrow a leaf from our own culture, how we used to resolve conflict in the co- at the community level, not necessarily in court, and how we used to forgive each other. Then uh, religious movement also joined NGOs, civil society movement, promotion of reconciliation. And we removed the ethnic uh, identification in the identity cards. We removed the quota systems. We promote uh, a value systems of merit. So if there is a job, you have to compete for it. If you have the competence, either you are Hutu or Tutsi, you are a man or a woman, uh, all things to do with discrimination, including gender discrimination, racial discrimination. We have abolished them and we have created uh, tough sanctions for those who uh, get involved into discrimination, into... Um, uh, yeah. The segregation mm. of people uh, in line with their um, uh, ethnic group.
1: What does that mean, though, for the preservation of, uh, you know, culture, identity of uh, and of heritage overall of the Rwandan people?
6: It is very important and uh, should advise all Africans never to lose their culture. Even though you become scientific, you travel but your values are what define your identity. And when uh, nothing else can work, definitely you get um, the reason for living, the reason for uniting uh, from your own value and culture, because that's when you come back to believe again that you are one people, that you have a common history, and you should have a common destiny. So that's the vision of Rwanda today. Uh, Reconciliation has been quite successful People who ran away uh, from uh, the atrocities in '94 were beyond two millions. They, they all came back to the country, except few extremists that still remain in the forest of Congo, but the African Union and other African countries are trying to handle that matter so that uh, it is also put to rest. But uh, overall, 95 or more than 95% of Rwandans who ran away, who did not trust the country, have all come back into the country and they are all contributing into rebuilding country. So Mm -hmm. we don't see ourselves anymore as a society of Hutu and Tutsis. We see ourselves as a a new nation being born again and uh, hardly working to leave a better legacy than what uh, we saw in the genocide and then create hopes for the survivors, the children who are being born after genocide for a better Rwanda. Just like the person who visited Rwanda said, the country is changing very fast, it's growing, poverty is reducing, and Rwandans are becoming uh, confident again in their nation and are working tirelessly to make it a beautiful and a prosperous country.
1: And speaking of those a few extremists that you say who are still outside on the periphery, what are they unhappy about?
6: You know, they committed genocide. so They they fear justice, and then they stick to their ideology. It's like we're defending ourselves. And they run also a campaign of uh, denial. That's where you get different informations. Sometimes people say, no, it's the Tutsis who killed the Hutus. Others will tell you, no, it's uh, uh, this or that, because they also create some campaigns to make the current government look bad and to make their case uh, good so that they get amnesty for what they did. But as you know, uh, crime against humanity is not something that uh, you'll forgive uh, without taking someone through a justice system. If yeah. they could have at least show uh, the need for forgi- uh, to, to be forgiven by um, uh, presenting apologies, but they are not there. They were armed during uh, genocide time. They still have some arms. They've been supported by some international forces that want also to dominate the region, and that's why they. Which could, international uh, forces? I would uh, prefer not to create diplomatic uh, issues as a, uh, a diplomat, but there are countries that, are for a reason or another of uh, geopolitics, African, supported Western, uh, Western mainly supported the regime that uh, was in Rwanda and that committed genocide. Even in the process of genocide, uh, some of those uh, powers armed that regime to carry out the genocide because they trained the militia, they gave them money, they continued to supply arms even during genocide time because they thought if that regime is out and then uh, the people who are coming from the diaspora are in, probably they will come in with other alliances uh, externally that are not their partners, so th- they looked it into us not as a people. They looked into us as uh, their puppets, as uh, their region uh, of dominance. So in the governance of uh, Rwanda today, we are also um, learning strongly to be ourselves and. Uh, to uh, avoid any external influence, to work with the world mm-hmm. but not to let the world uh, give us the way to lead ourselves. There has
1: been some criticism about that, you know, people saying that uh, President Paul Kagame has been ruling Rwanda with an iron fist. And, uh, you know, um, from what you are saying currently, um, you know, does that mean that, you know, people coming from uh, the diaspora, as it were, uh, have to work harder in order to try and get into government and trying to also influence what happens in Rwanda?
6: So we use all the skills, the skills that we acquired outside and the skills that were inside, and then the combination is what is making Rwanda uh, move forward. Of course, uh, saying Kagame is hard-faced, Kagame is very disciplined and uh, he really works for the people. He's not a leader that you'll say he's accumulating wealth, uh, you will find him working almost twenty-four hours, and working towards good health, towards good education. Policies in Rwanda are all participatories. We have uh, platforms where the people of Rwanda could, would ask questions, where they can challenge leaders, and so on. But uh, we really have a, a government that is uh, so much involved with discipline and orientation. But is because he it was not criticism,
1: uh, though. Um You know, is he because by indications from his detractors, um, you know, he really is very sensitive uh, to those who do not agree with his way of seeing things.
6: He responds. He's on Twitter. You can also try him. Uh He doesn't let people uh, step on his toes, and that's the what spirit. What does that, that mean?
1: Uh, stepping on his toes?
6: Because uh, some people call criticism, but they, they they try to pull you down so that they can uh, tarnish. His image, the image of his leadership, probably to create a way for a leadership that uh, they will uh, manipulate.
1: He's the president. It's power for the cause, isn't it? Isn't that what democracy is about? There's always someone who thinks they they can do better and therefore will try to influence issues. So we
6: listen to that. But when we respond, it becomes an issue. So democracy is also responding. If somebody say you are a thief and then you say, no, I'm not, then they should not say, why do you talk when we talk? And that's the challenge today. Probably in some other places, they talk bad about the leadership of a country and the leadership keeps quiet. So we don't stop anybody criticizing, but uh, we react. Probably the way we react uh, does not please them because uh, we challenge. How do you react? We give facts. We come accurate about what they say. We don't want people just to create an image or to interpret How we are I've seen similar things here in South Africa Uh, You are still struggling with racism as well So people interpret what a a black person has said Or what a white person has said According to history and so on So people always have to come right And say I did not mean this I meant that You got me wrong Or you Mm. got me right So it's also a democratic right That's what uh, we do in our country Because of complexity of history
1: Has the government ever been provoked Into reacting violently
6: uh, Violently like what?
1: As in, you know, coming out and, uh, you know, having to arrest people, beat them up.
6: No, we don't do that. Uh, there is no single case in Rwanda where you see masses being beaten up because they have said this or that. Yeah. No. There are laws, there are things you can't say that may lead us back. And What well, can't you say in Rwanda? Uh, you, you cannot uh, bring things like you, Tutsi, you must die again. Oh, you, Hutu, you are a killer. Because it's not only Hutus that killed. Many Tutsis who survived were hidden and protected by Hutus. And it's not uh, that Tutsi should continue to die. So those are very provocative things that are uh, racial, that are racist, that are genocidal, that should not be tolerated in Rwanda. So when you bring such things, whether it is media or it is... Uh, uh, in public, uh, you you may there are laws against it. Yeah.
1: Mm. And just before we go to those calls, the role of the West and and, and uh, you were a bit tentative about you know speaking too much about that and talking about you know not wanting to cause a diplomatic row. Uh, but Kulu SD says, can the ambassador speak to the duplicity of the West, the US in particular, in inadvertently allowing the genocide to occur?
6: we blamed every everyone in the international community but at least the uh, the US came out and then uh, they apologized but as our president likes to say say it's true they abandoned us but uh, we were doing it uh, to ourselves by ourselves so sometimes we don't even need to blame them but being part of the world and being part of the UN the world should have helped because they also help in some other places in Yugoslavia in wherever there's a crisis, but in our case, we were neglected. Therefore, we say that uh, this world sometimes can be uh, uh, just working not for the interest of the people, but sometimes for uh, natural resources and other things or other influence. When you are small, you are a small economy. They may not be interested in you, and then they focus elsewhere. But at least we acknowledge that uh, countries like Belgium, countries like uh, U.S. apologize. But there are other Westerners who had influence, negative influence, until last minute, who up to now have never apologized, like like France. So it's uh, it shows how the world is uh, not that fair. But uh, we have learned a lot of lessons that uh, Rwanda is ours, and we are the only people, before anybody else, who can change the future of our nation.
1: Let's go back to the lines on this one. We are speaking to Excellency Vincent Carrega and looking at Rwanda 21 years after genocide. Let's go to those lines immediately. Uh, 21 years after genocide in Rwanda is what we're focusing on this morning with Ambassador Vincent Carrega. Anonymous in Mpumalanga, good morning.
7: Hi, good morning. Thank you for the opportunity. Um While we remember what happened in Rwanda was a horrible thing for Rwandans and Africans in general, Uh, we we cannot rule out what was, um, I mean, we cannot rule out that uh, revenge is not taking place or is not going to take, is not going to take in the future. Um, What I mean by this is that um, Rwandans had a problem with uh, their leadership before the genocide happened. Uh, same a uh, uh, problems is, is is now exists in Rwanda but what i mean by this is that um, uh, we have uh, problems in africa as, a, as a africans that uh, dictatorship and authority uh, i mean is what is uh, causing problem for us so um, since um, kagame is building his power as a strong man not on but on himself uh, The problem that happened in the past uh, was not uh, tackled, and Rwanda cannot be said. It is transformed. It is going to be good for Tutsis and Hutus to live together. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Anonymous. Uh, Let's go to another anonymous caller from Johannesburg this time. Good morning.
8: Good morning, Sakina. How are you? Well, and you? I'm good. Good morning to the ambassador also. Good morning. Yes, uh, sorry, Sakina. I just wanted to raise two points here. The one is the things which we foreigners we have been experiencing in South Africa. You see, sorry, uh, Sakina, if if you hold a thief in your house, you emphasize him going steal something from outside. When he can't find something to steal outside, he will steal from your house. So this, I'm trying to say that what like we have been experiencing this hatred and wherever against foreigners. The South African citizens, they should not only see it for foreigners because tomorrow it will be someone else. Maybe a tribe or wherever from uh, South Africa. Two, I would like to, 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 to raise something uh, about the Rwanda genocide. I'm from the Great Lakes region, Sakina. So we were there. We saw, we know exactly what happened. When a refugee has been killed in Kagunga camp, in Kashusha camp, they were not soldiers. So what I would like to tell to, to the, the ambassador is we should condemn the killing of all people, no matter if they are Tutsis, or Hutus, they are human beings. Because you can't tell me that the whole Kashusha camp or the whole Mugunga camp were involved or there were militias or wherever. Thank you, Sakina.
1: Thank you so much, Anonymous. Uh, Kolani, you calling from Tata, good morning.
7: Hi, good morning, Sakina. The, the greatest challenge for us all is what you call tribalism. Tribal wars are even worse than religious wars and all. If you look look at the the story that uh, I hear at the moment is the word Tutsis and Hutus. It can happen anywhere when one tribe sees itself superior and the other one feels inferior. It can result in uncontrollable wars. We need to find a situation where where tribes don't see themselves better than any other tribe. And then we work together to grow our nations. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much. Kolani, Richard, you're in Durban.
5: Um, Yes, I think genocide has to be uh, condemned. As the other um, uh, guy was saying, um, it doesn't matter if you are Tutsi or Utu, any killing of a human being has to be condemned. The the other thing is that the ambassador is talking about unity. Um, I cannot believe that they are talking about unity when actually the government of Rwanda is killing the dissident or the people who are of the opposition in South Africa. I think that is well known. So I don't know what he's talking saying about that. And the fact also that Rwanda has been killing people, raping innocent kids and women in the Congo and the planet, which is of that country. What does the ambassador say about that? Because that's the reality, is known.
1: Okay, that's uh, Richard in Durban. Vincent in Cape Town
5: good morning, Ambassador. Continue, good morning. morning. Yes, uh, the unity you are talking about is not a shaky kind of unity in Rwanda, not a solid unity in Rwanda. I'm saying that because I think that unity is imposed at the point of gun, where Rwanda does not tolerate the opposing views where uh, people, many people who are refugees all over the world has been uh, asking for political talks to air out some differences. What do you think about the future of Rwanda? How can we avoid
8: conflict in the future? Okay. Thank you. Thanks
1: so much, uh, Vincent. Alex, you're our last caller in Kimberley. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Alex.
7: Morning, Sakina. Well, and you? Thanks. You. Uh, I think, uh, according to my uh, understanding, it's like whatever has happened in, uh, in Rwanda, rwanda it, it happened. I mean, long time ago. The only thing which I'm happy really about is like if they can try and focus what is happening now to build, it, to, 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 to 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 do the change, according to the the way things have happened. I'm sure. That can be much more better than focusing on the past, That what, uh, who killed who, what has happened a long time ago. Because I've seen that movie of uh, Hotel Rwanda. It was very horrible and uh, it was not a nice thing to, to do.
4: Okay. So I'm just
7: saying that you must just focus on the change because it has happened anyway.
1: Okay, that's Alex and Kimberly. Ambassador? Hmm.
6: Yeah, there were so many questions. There were so many uh, statements I don't think our allegations. Uh, allegations as well are, uh, number one, I don't think this is the time, uh, mainly today, to start dealing with allegations uh, of uh, from dissidents or from oppositions and so on. It's uh, mainly to remember those mm. who perished, and it's also time to take stock of uh, the progress made in rebuilding a nation. So some people feel that the way Rwanda is uh, being governed May not lead to sustainable peace, but this has been said since the years '96 that Rwanda should be a failed state. But from credible institutions today, we get uh, uh, ratings of growth economically. We get uh, ratings from the Gallup that the people of Rwanda are the happiest or much, uh, mo- much, much more proud. Uh, for their governance than uh, any other place in the continent. We get uh, awards for being clean, for gender involvement. So all that cannot happen at gunpoint. We are twelve millions. There cannot be guns every morning on the head of every citizen to smile, to be positive-looking. Uh, However, what we went through was very horrible, and it spread in the region. There are still wounds even people in south africa either they belong to the refugees or they belong to family of survivors or they belong to family of those who have been arrested or those who died in uh, camps for various reasons so uh, we cannot get uh, necessary positive views of uh, what has happened but uh, rwanda having been a country that went through the horrible that we keep on describing And we know other countries in Africa that went through uh, terrible things that did not reach the level of Rwanda. They haven't stabilized up to now. Mm. But we are talking of 21 years of progress. It is important to also recognize that that Mm. uh, efforts have been put in place. We do have refugees, but we are not the country in Africa with the most refugees. Because for the first time in our history, as I said, in 59 people run away, 63 people run away, 94 people run away. But 95% of those who run away have returned. Now we are talking about 4 to 5% of those who have mm. never returned. And can not we, all of them are negative about what is happening Can we get in an undertaking,
1: though, that you will come sure. back at some point so we can talk about that?
6: Yeah, that, definitely. Yeah. All
1: right. So uh, the two anonymous callers will come back to those issues. Uh, the ambassador will come back and we sure. can get into those acrimonious issues. Yeah. But uh, for what it's worth for today, thank you so much for coming through and helping us reflect on 21 years after genocide in Rwanda.
6: Thank you very much. And we continue to remain positive and working with other Africans and uh, many other countries should also be careful about tribalism, xenophobia, racism. Those are things that uh, can uh, make a nation collapse. Thank you.
1: Ambassador Vincent Carrega, and uh, thank you so much for your time and to everybody else for participating. Time for News Now with Vabakshni Chetty Miller.